Okay, so just uh, to follow up what I've said, so again, just thank you so much to the health guys for helping the room. It's uh, Baruch Hashem, is happy to, to start this up again, you know, every Rosh Hashem, to continue to learn together, to grow together as a kila, as a community, as families, and Bez Hashem, Hashem should bless the health guys along with uh, everyone else in the shul to just continue nachas and simcha and bracha. I'd believe die. I'd believe die. So, so uh, today's Rosh Chodesh, so it's the beginning of the month of Cheshvan. So the month of Cheshvan is an interesting month, you know, the, 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 the name of the month is Cheshvan. Um, but we have a, sort of a nickname for it, or a, a surname, I guess, that we give it, which is called Mar Cheshvan. Mar Cheshvan. Why do we give that extra title of Mar Cheshvan? So the word Mar is an interesting one. Uh, that's a word that has a lot of different meanings to it. On the one hand, the word Mar in Hebrew is the word Mar, which means bitter. And one of the reasons why we give the word that that, pre- that, that prefix, that, uh, that title to Cheshvan, is because Cheshvan is the one month of the entire Jewish year, as we know, that has no special day in it. Whether There's no holiday in it, there's no fast day, there's no positive or negative, it's just, it's just vanilla, it's just routine. It's just routine. And that's the name Cheshvan also, right? What does the word Cheshvan mean? Cheshvan means a Cheshvan, to calculate, right? It means something that sort of you can, it's like math, you could set your watch to it, you know for sure, one plus one is two. It's sort of a pattern, routine, trying to get back into, into patterns, into routines, right? That's what we're trying to do. Okay. So on the one hand, uh, there's something uh, bitter about that, because life is, you know, we want life to be enjoyable, and part of the enjoyment of life and the pleasures of life are things that are new and fresh and exciting and different. And so whenever you have something that's different, even if it's a fast day, even if it's something that's maybe not necessarily the most positive time, but it's something different, it's a chiddush. Whenever you have, whenever you experience something new and something fresh, it always triggers pleasure and enjoyment and excitement and it gets, you know, it gets the, 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 the juices flowing, you know? And so when you have the month of Cheshvan, who, which the entire month is a month that is without any special events. It just is cheshvan. It's just trying to get back into the scheme of things, into the rhythm of things. So then, uh, you know, on the one hand, there's a certain bitterness to that. There's a certain bitterness to that. On the other hand, what's interesting is, is that, again, I have to say for, for my wife and I, we had an amazing dish, right? It was much beautiful. It's exhausting. So... But as beautiful as Tishri is, and as like, you know, I was telling my wife this, you know, that after Matzi Sokis, Matzi Sokhistara, so I was sitting on the couch trying to catch my breath, you know, and I was thinking to myself, and it really dawned upon me, like, I'm not going to shake a wolf and answer for a whole year, you know, it's a, there's a certain, like, you know, you, you know, we, you know it's, all, it's like everything in life, you don't necessarily appreciate it when we have it, you know, and so on the one hand, there is a bitterness in the month of Cheshvan in terms of just getting back into routine and not having anything particularly exciting to look forward to in this month on a, you know, on a calendar level. But on the other hand, I'm a big believer that if the Jewish people collectively are anticipating and looking forward to something, that's significant. And I think we're all looking forward to just get back into routine. And so there's this like funny dynamic of both routine being something that's bitter, but also being something that we're actually looking forward to. And so we have to make sense of that. Even the word mar, which again, mar cheshvan, the word Mar is bitter, but if you think about it, the word Mar also in Aramaic, at least, is a title of it's 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 a 
it's a it's a word that we put in front of someone's name to give them a certain chashivus. It means master. The word mar means master. So you know, in the Gemara, for example, throughout throughout Shas, whenever a student is referring to his rebbe, he always refers to his rebbe as mar, as master. So the word mar, although in Hebrew means bitter, in Aramaic actually means master and something exalted. So mar cheshven is a title that we're giving the month of Cheshvan, which sort of has two qualities to it. On the one hand, we're acknowledging that there's something bitter about this month in terms of us being forced to get back into routine. But on the other hand, there's something exciting and something magnificent and something even exalted about the opportunity to get back into routine. That's what the word mar, again, it means bitter. It also means master. And if you flip the word, mar also has, a, is, if you flip it to, instead of mem resh, you make it resh mem, Reish Mem is Ram, which means exalted. And so there's something very mysterious about this month, the, the, the plainness of the month, the, the you know, again, for like, like the vanilla-ness. I, I don't like to find any, offend anyone that likes vanilla over chocolate, <laughs> you understand? It's like the, the, you know, the plainness of the month is something that's, that is bitter, but there's something exalted about it as well. I'll tell you something interesting. You know, we, we have, uh, when you learn Tanakh and in Chazal, so it's clear that the, the first base of Migdash, right, we had two... But the Mikdash, and I'm waiting for the third. So the first base of Mikdash, the inauguration, the Chanukah Sabayis, the grand, the big party that Shlomo Melch uh, made for the Jewish people when we built the first base of Mikdash, took place in Tishrei. And we know that the Chanukah Sabayis, the dedication for the second base of Mikdash, Chanukah, takes place in Kislev. There's a tradition that we have in Chazal that the dedication for the third base of Mikdash is going to take place in Cheshmer. So Tishrei, Cheshvan, and Kislev, those are the three months that are shining with Chanukah Sabayis, with dedicating the Beis HaMikdash. So this is a very, very paradoxical thing, that the month of Cheshvan should have all these qualities to it, the plainness, the, the vanilla-ness of Cheshvan, the, 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 the Cheshvan, the, uh, the, uh, the pattern, the, the um, I don't know what the word, I'm trying to find the word, you understand what I'm talking about, the, uh, the... Consi- that's, that's the word. That's what I was looking for. Consistency. The consistency of Cheshman. That's, that, that's, that's both bitter and something exalted about it at the same time. I'll, I'll tell you something interesting. You know, the word Mar um, also, besides being a combination of these two parts of Mar Cheshman, the word Mar altogether in Aramaic, Marachashin, Mar actually means to speak. But not just to speak, it means to speak a lot, consistently speaking. Marachashin Svase. It's a, it's, a, it's a term that we find in the Gemara a lot, which means to keep on moving your lips, keep your lips moving, to keep on moving. Now it's interesting, when it comes to speech, you know, we, we find this throughout Tanakh and Chazal, that the ability of speech is something that's related to the quality of Malchus. Of Malchus. For example, it says in Pasuk, Bidvar Melech Shalton that the king rules with his speech. Or, the Zara Kaddish puts it like this, Malchus Peh, that the power of speech is related to the quality of Malchus. Now it's interesting, what is the job of the Melech? What's the job of a king? What is a government for? Right? So in other words, the Pasuk, we're seeing that, that, that a government, the Melech, is, you know, leads and rules through the power of speech. And what is the job of a king? The job of a king really is to create a society that's just, that's consistent. And so without turmoil, without upheaval, right? God forbid no one wants to live in a country where the government is not stable, 
right? When there's, when there's no stability from the government, then everything goes haywire. The main job of a, of a melech, the main job of a melech is what? Is to create a level, a, a, create a society of consistency, of just, you can set your watch to it. You know that tomorrow, the banks are still going to be functional. Like that's the type of malchus that you want, and that's the job of the king. So the month of Cheshvan, which is Marachashin, the month that's about consistent speech, and speech is always related to the king, and so therefore the month of Cheshvan is all about that, trying to get back into that consistency. But I'll tell you something amazing though. You know, uh, we find in the, um, there's a sefer that we have, Sefer Yitzira. I've mentioned, I've quoted this before in a lot of these Rishchol Shiram. In the book of creation, Sefer Yitzira, which goes back to Avram Avinu, so the Sefer Yitzira, there's a tradition from Avram Avinu that every month is connected to a particular letter of the Aleph base. And to identify the essence of a month, it's related to that letter. So we have this month of Cheshvan, which again, the way I'm describing it is a month that's all about trying to find consistency, keeping the lips moving, like a, like a king that creates a stable government and a stable environment for things to function properly. And that's both boring, but both exalted and something special at the same time. So it's interesting, the month of Cheshvan is connected to the letter Nun. To the letter Nun. So what's special about the letter Nun? So I warned my wife about this, I was going to do share you some, some diktuk, okay? But it'll be interesting, I think it'll be interesting. Bear, bear with me, it's, I think it's an interesting point. There's something interesting with the letter Nun, okay? So it's like this, you know, Whenever you have a word in Hebrew, so every word has a shorish, right? It has its like the, the essential letters of the word. If you want to take that, that word and turn it into, let's say, future tense, so usually what you do is you add a yud in the beginning. I know you're getting worried. Don't worry, it's going to be from now in a minute. So you add a, a yud in the beginning. It's going to be back, you know, hard, you know, I'm, I'm triggering everyone, yeah? So I'll give you an example. So let's say, well, how, do you say how do you say to write in Hebrew? So kasa, right? Ksiva, right? Chaf. Tough base. That's the word kasev. How do you do? How do you turn that into the future that I will write? So yichtov. Right? You just put a yud in the beginning. That's the that's the way you do it. It's interesting though that there are certain words that changes that pattern. I'll give you an example. How do you say in Hebrew to give? So nosan, right? Nun tough nun. That's the. So how do you say to give in the future? Yitain yitain. What about the nun? In other words, the word is nosan, so you add a yud, it should be yintain. What happened to the nun? I'll give you another example. How do you say to approach in Hebrew? So the, I know you're gonna, the word is, in Hebrew, the, you'll, you'll, see, you'll see the point, you'll see the point soon. you see the point soon. In Hebrew, the, the word is, is nogash, nun gimel shin, to approach. How do, you, how do you make that future? So... It should be, just put a yud there, yin gosh, but it's not, it's yigosh. So what happens to the nun? So all of a sudden, when it comes to certain words, the, the nun is taken away. But I'll give you another example. We have other words that a nun just like appears out of nowhere. How do you say man in Hebrew? Ish. How do you say men in Hebrew? Anoshem. Where did that nun come from? How do you say, how do you say righteous woman in Hebrew? Tzadegas. How do you say many righteous women? Tzidkanios, where that nun come from? So all of a sudden, certain words, the nun is taken out. So instead of it being yintain, it's yitain. And all of a sudden, there are certain words that the nun is placed in. Like instead of it being ishim or tzidkanios, it's anoshim and tzidkanios. Like, what's the deal? 
So the answer is, here's the principle. The letter nun is unique. That one of the, one of the purposes of the letter nun is what's called in the Svarim, Yipoy Lashen, to make Lashen Kodesh nice, to make the words come out smoother. That there should be a, a, an elegance to the way we speak. And that's one of the main jobs of the letter nun. So it's much nicer to say yitain than yintain. It's harder to say yintain. So because of the, for the elegance of Lashon Kodesh, we take out the nun. And it's nicer to say tzidkanios, it just it goes smoother than, than uh, tzadikios. And so because of that, we put in a nun. You see what the letter nun does? It's not just a letter amongst the alpha phase. It's a letter whose function is to create an elegance to speech. And so that's the month of Cheshvan. Cheshvan is a month which is all about speech, which means consistency, stability, stability, like a government. And that's what Cheshvan is about. But it's shining with the letter Nun, which means to create that stability, but it should be with elegance and beauty and a certain aristocracy. That it shouldn't just be pragmatic. That the, 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 the pragmatic qualities of life that we're trying to get back into the rhythm of, it should be with an elegance and a beauty. And that's the letter Nun. And that's what the letter, again, as I said in TikTok, like it's, it's a letter which comes in when need be and will come out when need be because its function is to create a certain elegance and a certain smoothness and that the words should come out with a certain uh, regal feeling instead of it being forced. And so this is the question that we have to now deal with. Like what's the, so what does that mean? Like what, what's so special about, about stability? What's so special about plainness, about routine? So it's interesting. I'll tell you like this, you know, the, the, the month of Tishrei that we're leaving and the period of the winter that Cheshvan is sort of introducing us to, you know, it, it's, it's an opportunity where we could sort of like think about the difference between biblical holidays and rabbinic holidays. What do I mean? So Tishrei is all filled with biblical holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Kippur, Sukkot, right? And the winter is full of rabbinic holidays, Hanukkah and Purim, Tu B'Shvat. And one of the main differences between biblical holidays and rabbinic holidays is that when biblical holidays come, it just takes over everything. All of a sudden, regular life is completely shut down. There is no regular life anymore. It's Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Chalamoyed, it's finished. It's like there's a, you know, the Gemara says in Megillah that one of the Lashon is that Haman said to Ahasuerus against the Jewish people, is that he said that we're always lazy. That we're lazy, we're not hard workers. And Ahasuerus said, what do you mean? So he said, look at the Jewish people. Every other day, it's Pesach, it's Sokis, it's Chalamoid, it's, uh, it's Shabbos, they can't work, they can't do this. And every other they're looking for all the excuses in the world not to work. Those are all you know, Yom Toivim that come from the 613 mitzvahs, biblical holidays. They come and they disrupt, just like regular life. But what's amazing is about rabbinic holidays, it's not like that. Hanukkah is a beautiful yontif, but it, it shouldn't disrupt life too much. Like, how long does it take the Hanukkah licht? Okay, a couple minutes, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't take too long. Even Purim, okay, so Purim is a, is a big day, but you can still, you can imagine if Purim was without driving, without anything. So it, does, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, the, uh, rabbinic holidays have a way of settling into this world. They don't, they don't interfere with life. They settle into life. You have to think about that for a second. Why is that? Is that a weakness in the rabbinic holidays? The fact that they don't come and they take over the, real, the world? Is that a weakness? Is that a strength? So let me share with you the idea. Here's the idea. Everything else was just introduction until now, okay? 
the, the actual point is going to be shorter, so don't worry. Things like this. Let me share with you a basic principle of Yiddishkeit. It's something that uh, maybe people don't know, but whether they realize or not, it's a very, very big principle of Yiddishkeit. And here's the idea. The idea is, I'll just say it like this, and I'll give you a few examples of it. The greater the light, the deeper the gift that God wants to give you, the lower the vessels you have to have to receive it. The greater the light, the lower the vessels. Right? So I'm saying light versus vessels. Like whenever, I'll give an example, or I'll try to give you an example. Um, if you, let's say you, let's say you really care about someone, you love someone, someone the family, whatever it is, so, and you want to express that love. So there's all different ways to do it. You can do it in a sophisticated way. You could take out a, an actual pen and paper, if those things still exist, and you could actually write down how much you care about them. If you're a little bit poetic, you can make a whole uh, poem about it. And then you could present that to the person that you, that you care for, and that's a beautiful thing. They could hold it, they could take it, they could you know, review it uh, whenever they need a pick-me-up. That's a beautiful thing. That everyone knows that that's beautiful, that's very, very nice. But if you're overwhelmed with a sense of love to that person, then you just want to give that person a hug. And when you're overwhelmed with a sense of connection to, let's say, whether it be a husband or a child or someone that you deeply care for, at that moment of when there's a real intense love, then you're not going to be able to write a poem. And nor do you want to write a poem. All you want to do is give that person a hug or a kiss. And so that's a very funny thing because a poem that you write is certainly more subtle, it's certainly more, more sophisticated and more elegant than, than a coarse hug. But there's something amazing about this, this phenomenon that when the love is, is there but not super intense, then the vessel to contain it can be elegant and sophisticated and high. But when the light and the love is incredibly intense, then you need specifically a lower level vessel to contain it, like a physical hug. This is true even physically. Think about how a person develops. When a, when a baby's born, so Baruch Hashem, Bez Hashem, the head works, and the hands are working and so on. But if you think about the level of control that the baby has over his or her own body, the last thing the baby has control over is the legs, to be able to walk, right? That's the last thing that comes. Because what's happening is, spiritually speaking, as the baby grows over the next, you know, whatever the, the initial stages of the year and so, you know, until the baby's able to walk, what's happening? More of the neshama is entering to the baby's body, right? And the way the neshama enters into a body, it's sort of like the first the lowest parts enters, and slowly but surely the higher parts enter. Only when the highest part of the neshama fully enters into the body does then the baby have control over its lowest parts, called the legs. So there's this inverse in, in Yiddishkeit, which is the higher something is, and the more you want to receive that highest gift, the more you have to be able to provide the lowest level vessels to receive it. So I'll give you an exa another example. One of the greatest Jews to ever live, right? Without a question, he's definitely in the top 10, is Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah? So Moshe Rabbeinu received the greatest gift of all, which is the highest level of prophecy that Hashem said about Moshe Rabbeinu, panim el panim, that he speaks to him face to face, the ma'ar in a clear vision, without dreams, like Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, the Ramam says, was able to go into the Holy of Holies whenever he wanted. For the Kohen Gadol to do that 
we have to have a whole Yom Kippur, we have to have a whole thing, you know, to go. Moshe Rabbeinu, whenever he wanted, he could go, and that's where Moshe Rabbeinu was holding, that's the greatest gift, that's the biggest nisham of all time, was given to Moshe Rabbeinu. And you know what it says about Moshe Rabbeinu? What vessel did he provide in order to absorb and to contain that gift that's called the biggest spiritual consciousness? You know what it says in Pasuk about Moshe Rabbeinu, that Hashem said about Moshe, you know why I've chosen him? Bekol Basi Nemanu. Because he is the most simple Jew. What is it? In all my home, that's what the Pasuk says. Hashem says, in all my home, what's Hashem? Hashem is the whole universe. So Hashem says, amongst all the creatures in my, in my universe, Nemanu, he's the most, most faithful. He's the most faithful. It means that Hashem says about Moshe Rabbeinu, you know why I'm giving him divine prophecy, you know why I'm giving him the biggest neshama to ever be created? Because I know that even on a bad day, he still goes to Shul. And I know that on a terrible day, he still forces himself to put on a smile for his kids. Neman is his faithfulness. That's, that's, the, that, that's the greatness of the moment. Talk about his intellect. Talk about how long his Shemonesri was. Talk about uh, how much, you know, how dedicated he was to learning. That, that's not, that, those were all true about Moshe Rabbeinu, but those are not, that's not the ultimate credential to receive the highest gift. To receive the highest gift, you have to provide the lowest vessel. The lowest vessel. That's why it says in Pasuk, Chazdei David Hanemanim, that David and Melech received all the chesed that he received in his life because of his faithfulness, because of his consistency, because of his plainness. And so this is a principle in Yiddishkeit, that to receive something extremely big, then you have to provide the simplest of vessels, the most mundane, the most, the most down-to-earth, the most feet, you understand? <coughs> the most feet-like vessels. So it's interesting, you know, when you, when you talk about Torah, so we know biblically, the, how many mitzvahs do we have? So 613, right? It's mitzvahs. How many, how many rabbinic mitzvahs do we have? So rabbinic law, there's like millions of them, you know, creating certain nuances and details in every single one of the 613. But in terms of like new mitzvahs that, that Chazal introduced, we have seven in total. Chanukin, Purim, and Erev, and Etilsi Daim, there's seven in total. You know what's the amazing thing? If you add up 613 plus seven, so that's, I, 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 I threw dictic at you, now I'm gonna throw math at you, yeah? What's 613 plus seven? So that's not too hard. 620, yeah? 620 equals the gematria, the word keser, which means crown. Keser is a, is a word which means a crown, but it also always signifies and it always represents the most exalted, the most exalted, what's above your head. You know, what's above the head. But what brings Taryag to Kesser? What brings Taryag to Kesser are seven rabbinic mitzvahs. And rabbinic mitzvahs means down to earth. It means down to earth, it means plain. It means mitzvahs that are not disrupting regular life. How do we, what vessel can we, can we offer to receive an even greater gift than Tishrei? You see, we think that when you move from, like Tisha was a month that's full with biblical yantaivim, and it's mamish, unbelievable, and it's all revolving around, it begins with Rosh Hashanah, which is about reminding us about the, the moment of creation. It's unbelievable. The light of Tisha is a very, very potent, very, very powerful life. And we think, okay, that means, okay, that's over. And now we're just going down into regular life. That's not true. That's not true. We're going up. We're going up. The Rabbanu doesn't just say, okay, you know, it was very nice, but now, like, I'm, I'm, holding, I'm holding things back from you. No, 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 no. 
there is an aliyah, there's an, there's an ascent that's taking place. The Rabbana Shlalem is, is offering us now with, you know, as we enter into the month of Cheshvan, leading us into the winter months, months of what? Of plainness, months of, of consistency. The Rabbana Shlalem is offering us even greater light than Tishrei. But God is also giving us the vessels to receive that light. How do you receive an even greater light than Tishrei? You specifically need lower, lower vessels, right? Simple vessels. When in order to receive the keser, the crown of Torah, then you have to provide rabbanan. You have to provide rabbinic mitzvahs, plain, down to earth, things that are not disruptive of regular life. Tishrei was a month that was all shining with, you know, with, with, with the moment of creation, which is the chiddush. And after Tishrei, the Rabbana Shalom is providing us with a deeper light, a light, a light that comes from before creation itself. And how do you receive, how do you receive a light that's even like higher than heaven? How do, you, how, do you, how do you prepare yourself to receive a light that's even deeper than, than creation itself? By, prevent, by providing absolutely plain vessels. And this is, this is what's exalted about the month of Cheshman. Cheshman is a month that's leading us into the winter, which, is, which, which has holidays, but they're only rabbinic. And rabbinic holidays mean holidays that don't disrupt regular life. I mean, think of that. So what's so special about that? No. If we can provide to God that level of faithfulness and consistency in our Vodas Hashem, like Moshe Rabbeinu, then that's not just a nice thing. Those are the vessels that are needed to receive the greatest, greatest lights of all, even deeper than Tishrei. So Tishrei, the, 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 the month of, of, of biblical holidays, is shining with a great light. But it's similar to, a, to that love that you're able to contain in a poem. It's beautiful. But when the light, of, uh, when the light and, the, and that love becomes so intense, then a poem is not going to do it. You have to, use, you have to do something tangible and physical, something even lower. And so that's what the month of Cheshman is about. It's about providing God and providing ourselves with the lowest, most mundane, most plain vessels of regular day-to-day life and to allow those experiences and those, and those, those um, consistent, plain moments to be transformed into vessels to contain and to allow us to have a light that's even deeper than Tishrei. And again, this is the great principle of Yiddishkeit, that the, 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 the lower the vessel, the more plain, the more it's custom-made to receive something even deeper. I'll give you an example. You know, there's, um, there's a story, I've mentioned this before, it's a famous story, but it's, it's Kedai, because the lesson of it is an important one. There's um, one of the great tzaddikim, his name was uh, Ramesh Leib Sasever. So Ramesh Leib Sasever was known as a big tzaddik and a big Levi Yisrael, he loves Jews. So, you know, from the in the in the, in the inner circle of Baal Shem Tov and the Zuchamagid, he set up a system where every tzaddik like sort of had their job. And Ramosh Shlomo his job was Kirov. He went to go out to Shdadlach and to Yukarif people. So anyway, so the story goes, and it, it really takes us back to to Slichus. It's a famous story that I'm just I'm just reminding of it. There's a mice that um, it, it consistently took place. Uh, every morning of Slichas, the Ramesh Lissasavar wasn't going to shul. He wasn't showing up. He would come later by Dad and by Shachris, but for Slichas he wasn't there. So, so it was like a big question, like, where, where's the Rebbe? So 
that town that he was in, in Sasev, most of the people of Sasev were Hasidim followers of him. But you also had uh, Misnagdim people that were anti. So the Hasidim were all simple people, and they would say, you know where the Rebbe goes? He goes to Shemayim. That's where he goes for sleep. He goes to Shemayim. And so uh, the Misnagdim would say, Shemayim, it's below. He's just oversleeping, whatever. So there were two guys, he decided, you know where we're going to find out what happens to the Rebbe, because he certainly isn't going to Shemayim. So like, what's going on? So it's a famous story, which is say this over, I think. He said that, um, so these two guys hang out in front of the house. They get they wake up very, very early. So they're, you know, hiding behind the bushes, taking the place out. And they notice that before Slichas, before anyone else wakes up, so Meshulib opens the front door. He's looking around, making sure no one's watching. He didn't see them. But he comes out and he's wearing his peasant clothing, his peasant cap and so on. And he's carrying an axe and a sack. Strange. And they follow him from a distance and he's going out to the, to the forest. And he goes to head deep into the forest. And he gets to a place of where it's a Rishas Ravim, it's a public property, there's no one that owns these trees. And he begins to cut down a tree, cut down a few branches. And so that's what he does, he cuts down, he spends a, some minutes cutting down some branches, preparing them, putting them in a sack. And then he walks further, and there are, these two guys are shocked by this, what's he doing? So he, he walks further, and all the way he gets to the outskirts of town, and he gets to uh, an, old, uh, an old shack, a run-down place. And he knocks on the door, and they notice that opens the door is an old lady, an Oman, a widow, and she doesn't recognize who this is. And so Moshe Lipsasavar opens the door and he says, I'm, I'm here to sell, I'm selling firewood. So uh, do, you, do you need any? She's like, yeah, I, I actually do need some firewood, but I don't have any money on me. She's like, hey, don't worry, I'm going to come back next time, you'll pay me, it's no problem. So Moshe takes some wood out of the sack and he asks her, like, do you have anyone to help you uh, set it up? So she's like, no. So uh, she says, fine, I'll do it. She said, no, but I, but I, you know, but I have to pay you for it. She said, okay, fine, so you'll put that on the cheshman. You know, it's okay, you'll pay, me, you'll pay me back later. So he's taking out the firewood, cutting up into smaller pieces, preparing the stove. And while he's doing this, he's saying slichas to himself. That's what these two people noticed. And so after the day was over, when they came back, so there was a whole, you know, everyone came to greet these two guys. No, so what happened? Where, where does the Rebbe go? Is it taka true that he goes to Shemayim? So they said, uh, he goes even higher. He goes even higher. See, that, that final statement that they said, that the Rebbe goes even higher than heaven, it's true. Moshe Sassifer went even higher than Shemayim. And what vessels do we have to allow us to go even higher than heaven? The most plain, the most mundane, helping an old lady with some firewood. Because that's, that's the way Yiddishkeit works. If you want to go high, 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 then you have to be willing to provide low, 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 plain, 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 plain. And that's the dynamic of Yiddishkeit. That's the month of Cheshman. The month of Cheshman is both exalted and, it's ex- and, and, and the gifts that one can receive and one can experience in the month of Cheshman is our gifts that are mamish third base of English. Like I said, the third base of English was going to be dedicated in the month of Cheshman. And yet, how to receive that most exalted gift of redemption itself and the third base of English? with absolute plainness and just regular living. And living, but just regular living like the letter Nun, right? Regular living, consistency, but with an elegance and understanding that there's a beauty in that. And not only that, but when we can provide for ourselves and for our families that consistency that we're all, that we're all looking for, but to provide it and to, and to, and, and to recognize that it's the Rabbani and to bring the Rabbani in to the routine, then 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 though that itself becomes the vessel to receive much greater gifts than even Tisha was able to offer. And so, after all that introduction, 
what's the avoid of Tishrei? What's the avoid of, of, of getting into the winter? So the avoid is to get back into regular life, but to bring God into regular life, to turn regular life into, into, um, into a vessel, into a place, into a space that God's comfortable to come in. And when we can provide a space for God that's most simple, that's most earthly, most down to earth, then, then the gifts and the, the light that comes into our lives through that is the most exalted. So if a person wants to experience uh, a certain level of, of light in, in life, then you have sophisticated cable, you have Tishrei, it's Gavaldic, it's very, very nice. But if you want to really, really have the light of, of redemption itself and a light that's even higher than heaven, then you have to provide vessels that are mamish earthly, mamish down to earth. So you have to be like Ramesh Lepsasavar. We want to go higher than heaven. Tishrei was heaven. Tishrei was heaven. Cheshvan and the winter, it's higher than heaven. And how do, you, how do you get higher than heaven? By being willing to go low, 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 low. And what do I mean to go low? I don't mean, God forbid, to go to bad places. I mean to go into regular life, routine, schedules, homework and baths and taxes and everything that we don't want to think about and don't want to deal with. But all that stuff is regular living and those are the, 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 the plain earthly vessels that we provide in order what? In order for God to give us what's even deeper and greater than heaven itself. And so, chas v'shalom, we don't think of Tishrei as something that's over, and now, God forbid, we went down into just, you know, trying to get back into things. No, no, no. No, no, that's not, that's not the way it is. Everything is always going up. And we're moving from Taryag, from 613, to the month of Tishrei, which is all biblical, into the winter, which are rabbinic holidays, and that's moving from Taryag to Keser, to the crown. And that's, that's what it's about. That's why, you know, I'll end with this. You know, there, there's, there's, there is one historical event that took place in the month of Cheshvan. I mean, many events took place. You know, but one thing that sort of historically we carry with us, and that was, in fact, a tragedy, but it tells you what, what our Vaid is in this month, that uh, we had a king, Davon Melech, and Davon Melech had a son, Shlomo Melech. And Shlomo Melech's son was, was named Rechavam, and during the time of Rechavam, David Melch's grandson, the Jewish people rebelled against his leadership and started a separate Malchus, a separate kingdom in the north. And they broke off, and they appointed another person, Yeruvim ben Avat, to be a new king in the north. And that split the, the Jewish people's kingdom. That took place in the month of Cheshvan. So you see what happened in the month of Cheshvan, that there was a rebellion, a, a, a moving away from that quality of Malchus of David and Melech's Malchus. And we have to think about it. If that's something that took place in Cheshvan, it means that we have to, do, we have to repair that in our lives. So what does that mean? We're not, none of us are, are making a breakaway Malchus anywhere. Like, what does that mean? We, none of us would ever have anything bad. To, we, we're, we're big fans of David and Melech. So what does it mean to work on this Indian? The Malchus of David and Melech is a Malchus of plainness. You understand? When the, when, for example, when Shmuel Hanavi was sent by God to Yishai, Right, to anoint one of his sons. Right? Hashem didn't say which son of Yishai is going to be the king. He said one of Yishai's sons. Yishai had many sons, and they were all big tzaddikim, big doll, and heads, members of the Sanhedrin, big people. And Yishai, the Pasuk says, it's safe for Shmuel, that Shmuel goes to Yishai, and Yishai presents him his firstborn son, and Shmuel and Avi says to himself, he says to himself, like, oh, this, this has to be it. And you understand, this is Shmuel and Avi talking. So Shmuel and Avi is not being, imp- not being impressed by physical stature, 
Shmuel Navi is a Navi. He looks in his eyes. He sees everything that uh, the son of Isha ever did in his life. And Shmuel, with all of that, Shmuel says, he's the guy. And Hashem sends a message to Shmuel, nah, hold your horses, it's not it. You're seeing superficially. I see deep, deep, deep. It's not him. Okay? Next son. Same thing. Not him. Not him. Not him. And Shmuel says to Yishai, after all the sons are, are finished, like anyone else? Like Hashem said, that's one of your sons. And so is there any other son that you have? And so Shmuel, so Yishai says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a, my youngest son. He's out in the shed. He's a shepherd. He's out in the field. David. It, it wasn't even a havamin. It wasn't even a thought that David Melech would be a possibility. And he, it, wasn't, it didn't even come. And this was not just David Melech. The David Melech said about himself, Evan Ma'asuabainim, that the, the, the stone that all the builders rejected became the cornerstone of the palace. And he was saying that himself. So what is this thing that even Yishai was a big tzaddik. Yishai was one of the four people in history that never sinned. That's a, that's a big person. So, and, but Yishai couldn't appreciate David Melech. What was so hard to appreciate? I'm sure David Melech was brilliant. He wrote to Hillam. He was this, like, what's so difficult? What's so... Why was the world having such a hard time? You know why? Because David and Melech represents everything that's plain. David and Melech represents everything that's just routine, that's just cheshven, that's just stable, like mathematics that you can just like set your clock to. David and Melech means consistency. Chazdei David hanemonim. And this is something that even the biggest tzaddikim aren't excited by. We want a tishrei, we want holidays, big events, simchas. Huh? But the average day, it's nice to have that consistency, but it's not something we dream of. No one dreams. When you have a dream, right, you're not dreaming of like a regular day. Either it's a good day or a very bad day, but a dream is something exciting. No one's dreaming about small things. Who dreams about plain? No one does that. So when the tzaddikim looked at David, they thought to themselves, David and is going to establish God's God's. God's domain on planet Earth. David Melch is going to build the Beis Hamikdash. David Melch is going to be the one to 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 bring Yiddishkeit to its completion. David Melch is the most plain, earthly, regular, like a physical hug. And the tzaddikim were looking for poetry. And David Melch told them, "Your mom is wrong. Your mom is wrong. Because by me providing plain, earthly, regular stuff and that." But doing it with God's presence and doing it l'shem shemayim and doing it as a Jew, then that's providing vessels for something that's higher than heaven. So Yishai, Shmuel, all these tzaddikim, they're looking for shemayim. And shemayim, you need sophisticated vessels. But Dovah Melch is saying, no, 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 I could give you something that's higher than heaven. And higher than heaven needs earthly vessels, needs very, very plain vessels. And that's the month of Cheshman. So the month of Cheshman was a month that the Jewish people rejected Dovah Melch. And we turned away from David Melch. We said, eh, come on, that's... We want something a little bit more fresh than that, a little more exciting, more spiritual. And David Melch says, like, you don't, you don't get it. You're not getting it. The rule of Yiddishkeit is, the greater the light, the lower the vessel it needs. And that's our avoida this month as we enter into the winter, the winter to be, to be just consistent and plain and normal and healthy. And, and, and our plainness and our health and our consistency should be, should be with God as Yidin, because everyone can, everyone, it's easy to be a Jew, you know, when it's a holiday season, right? But it's not so easy to be a Jew when it's just a regular Tuesday, right? And I don't mean, I don't mean to be a Jew, you understand what I'm saying? It's not like you're actually changing religions on Tuesday, you understand? But it's to, to live Tuesday as a Jew. 
And when Tuesday is transformed from being just a plain day as a human being to being a plain day as a Jew, then that Tuesday all of a sudden is turned into a vessel to receive blessings that are higher than heaven itself, that are greater than Tishrei. So Hashem should bless us, that we should be zechah to embrace the malchus of Dov and Amelech, and not to make the same mistake that Yishai made, or, or even the same mistake that Shmuel made, and, and even, even Big Sadiqim, where Tzidkanias have made of, of thinking of plainness and smallness as just being, you know, something you have to get through. No, 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 that's... Evan Masa Bainim Haisla Rishpin, Azah Shah, Hashem Sadiqim, Yelchubam, Zayoy Masashem, Zendagil Venisil Chabai, that's what all the hell is. That today, this day, this moment, this plain, regular moment, we do it as Yidin, we do it as Jews, and we provide consistency for our families, but with, as Jewish people, the way Jewish people are supposed to do it, then all of a sudden that becomes not just, not just a dedication for our first base of Migdash or our second base of Migdash, for the third base of Migdash. That's what it becomes. So Hashem should help us. We should be zochah to that. And Taka be able to ascend even higher than heaven with the most simple vessels of all. Amen. Thank you again for opening your home, really. Only bracha and atzlacha.